0: Hey everybody, this is Breezy with another episode of One Time Event. This week, Parsec from Architect came by and we had a long conversation. It runs about an hour and 40 minutes, but during the talk we talked about beach slides, some burner culture, a lot of those things. It's very long, but way good. He brought along a friend of his, and as you can tell, I had to do some creative editing until she really got talking. She was really shy for about the first hour, but... Once we finally got her on mic, she had some really good points. One thing I would like to say is I would like to thank everyone who has reached out with any feedback and all the positive comments. It really means a lot. Uh, I have some very cool guests lined up in the future, and I can't wait to put these out here for everyone. Anyway, I hope you enjoy these as much as I am.
1: Yeah, yeah. You Bare Bones Orchestra. You've never gone to see Bare Bones Orchestra. You you claim you're from Austin, and yet you've never seen Bare Bones Orchestra. That's what happens when you have transplants. They only can look into some cool things. They really Man, don't. I
0: looked into a lot of cool things.
1: Austin is a really good place to look into cool things because there's cool things happening everywhere. Now, Bare Bones Orchestra. That's um, that's a lot of burners. You you know them. Like pretty much everybody. I think even Ryan Bonobo has jumped up there on the base. They play downtown every once in a while. They've played the Effigy a few times. You know, Flipside's a big gig. If You can land that one. <laughs> I heard it pays very well. It's like a $100 cover charge. Free condoms. Free earplugs. When did you start going to Flipside? Well, my first Flipside... So my first event would have been the... Decompression after the final flip side at recreation plantation. So my first flip side would have been the first flip side that we had at Flat Creek. And that was two thousand and five or two thousand and six. I forget the uh, the name of it. That would the chalice was the mm-hmm. was the effigy that year and I was on the Daft crew. There were about seven of us and it was a Houston based crew. So I was out there on property oh, a week, a week and a half ahead of time and my first that was my first flip side so my first event was the or was the decompression after the flip side previous and then uh i dove right in i went i went right to infrastructure so i, I went into daft my first year built that effigy with another uh, with the crew and then uh, the year after that i was area facilitator for site sign off
0: the big question that i've been that i've gotten asked is like what do what do you think a burn event is exactly i mean so I have people that haven't gone, and let's say that you have a, like a buddy of yours named I don't know Jared or something, and he comes and says I like you know I like these I like to know what you do for this burn event. What is it? Well, the, open-minded, wise.
1: The answer to the question, right? It depends on who I'm talking to, how I'm going to describe it, um, because there's what we do is we build a city, and so there's there's aspects of flip side that will appeal to most people, you know, that I talk to. So I try to relate flip side to them in a way that I think maybe they'll be able to comprehend so usually I relate it to you know hardcore camping with a lot of loud music uh, I don't know flip side for me I it's one of those things where I've heard many 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 descriptions of Bernie Man or different descriptions of flip side and every time I try to describe it it's gonna end up just coming out like somebody said it before but I, I think that flip side in essence is an experience waiting to happen, and hopefully that person can look at some pictures because words always fail me when I try to describe it. There is an intention to have a party. I don't. I don't really know how to describe flip side. It is. A, it's a big incestuous family. There is definitely an intentional community aspect. So what makes a burn event? Another way that when you ask me that question, it has multiple ways because I'm an event organizer. Sure. So, definitely. Yeah, you are. When I think in terms of what is a burn event, well, I think in terms of, okay, a burn event is porta-potties, uh, it's an effigy, and a bunch of people. So in, insofar as infrastructure, you know, that that's what a burn event is to me. You got an effigy, and you got porta-potties. And hopefully everybody can stay safe in the meantime. That's the base nuts of what makes the city go.
2: Okay.
0: Does the burn actually have any kind of significance to you? I mean, is it just lighting a fire? Is it a big bonfire to you? Is it something a uh, like a spiritual thing to you? For me,
1: the burning of the effigy represents me not having to store a piece of art. I like to build things and I like to watch them burn. Is it a transformative? The burn itself for me is not transformative. For me, it's a danger, and for me, it's a clusterfuck waiting to happen. And so, usually, when there's a burn. I'm not like sitting there just like watching the burn. I'll watch some of the burn, but usually I'm watching the crowd or I'm on calm, you know, doing the sanctuary thing. So, I mean, my first burn was the only burn, like when I went to that decompression, that's the only burn that I really just kind of laid back and chilled out and watched. And the rest of them, well, no, I take that back. Burning Man, I didn't do crap, but watch the fire and that was pretty cool that was a big fire um i wouldn't say that i was transformed by it i would say that it was very hot and we backed up but the fire the fire's significance like to our our population you know it is that transformative thing it is that thing that draws everyone together and fire is a communal way that we gather and it's really the earmark of a beach event like you you don't have a beach event without some sort of campfire. Sure. Um, it may be the case that at most burn events we might not be able to have you know open ground campfires, but I think that that's one of the things that I like the most about having events out on the beach is the fact that it's just an integral portion and is going to happen.
0: So have you been to other ones other than Flipside and Burning Man? Have you done any more like Mischievous or, or a Freezer Burn or any other ones like any other regionals?
1: Yeah, no. I've been going to freezer burn since like third year, off and on. You know, when I'm not out on the road, I have not been to Mischievia, and I haven't. I think that's it. I haven't been to any of the other regionals, and that's like one of the things that definitely would love to do, but haven't had time.
0: Sure, definitely. With um, well, what inspired you actually to do uh, beachside, regardless of what you consider what a burn event is, you know, porta potties. I still consider Beachside to be a burn, even if it is a one-off thing that you might do next year or whatever. Uh, I, I still consider it. No, that was that was a burn.
1: It was a burn.
0: It was. I
1: mean, in was, the general sense, when we refer to Beachside, it's a burn mm-hmm. in all intents and purposes, and execution and trappings. It was a burn, and it felt that way. And that was the feeling that 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 I was trying to put out there. It was like this is a burn event. I mean, the nature of it is a little different we're gathered for a slightly different purpose i mean the community aspect of it is still like pretty much the most important part getting together with your friends and sharing exchanging hopes and loves and fears but when we get together and do a little bit of work that you know does the beach some good the question i think was what um, what inspired me to do the beach event well, when I first came into the community, it was during a time of transition. Um, recreation plantation was too small, and we needed to find a new location. And so when I came on board, I took that to be one of my personal um, tasks to perform within the community, and that's scoping out new places to burn. So I would spend a lot of time looking at Google Earth, and I spent a lot of time looking at Google rankings and, and places that people go and What's the opportunity? And I found several locations uh, across Texas for smaller burn events, which I've had. The Fall Freictaculars and Canyon Lake, through are But when I got down to the beach, so I, I was a Corpus Christi resident for about 10 years. And then I moved to Austin for about 10 years. And the place that we used to go on the beach is a place called J.P. Luby Surf Park. And, uh, my beach, our section of the beach where we would put up our, uh, tent and, uh, parachute every year for sea sculptures is now water. So they dug a ship channel, like right down the middle of my beach. My beach is no more. It's, it's now 80 feet deep in the middle. And it's ready for big super tankers to come through in the new carnival cruises, which, I mean, I don't begrudge that. I think it's a great idea for the Corpus Christi, City Corpus Christi to do that and, you know, build their infrastructure to make them a, a world destination. But that was my beach.
2: Right.
1: So when I got back, it was like, where do we go? Where did the locals go? Well, the Renegade Beach is how I used to refer to what I now call Burner Beach. And this is, it's four by four access only primarily. Um, if you know what you're doing, you can get down there in a two-wheel drive. It's not that big a deal. But people believe, you know, it's 4x4 only access. So the main bulk of people who are going out to to Burner Beach are people who are going out to party and have big fires. So that already, that's two things in our favor. It's naturally the way that they're going to use the beach out there. So when we drove out the first time, we went out to a place called The Bowl. And uh, the bowl is the place where all the locals go to kick up their heels and, and make big fires. And when I went into the bowl and I walked and I looked down and I was like, wow, this is like 280 foot deep and about 160 feet wide. So that means we can have a 20 by 20 and our flame column is just going to shut straight up. So I was like, I looked at it and I was like, this is perfect. Um, But man, it's a mess. Like I said, these kids have been coming out here what three generations now, and every time they come out, you know, they're gonna bring five or six pallets out there with them and pile them up in a big pile and leave all the nails and throw their beer cans and their beer bottles inside these the, the pyre, it's the trash can basically. So, you've got like you know, three generations of, of these trash fires that have been had out there. So, what you got is about you know, probably three feet deep, of just layer on layer on layer of cans and nails and plastic bottles. So it's a beautiful place, but it's it's a mess. And so I figured, well, why not invite all of the people from our community down and just kind of sit them up in this area and let them take a look? Because uh, I know that as soon as they see this, you know, we value the property for what the opportunity that it affords to us. To come together and be a community and have a, have a large fire. And so that value translates um, to the people who come and experience this place directly. And we do work weekends for flip side. Um, it's, it's fairly common practice to have a few ramp up work weekends for any event. So it's not that big of a stretch to just say, well, let's clean up while we're doing it. You know, at the same time. And then that was like, down in Corpus Christi, I'm pretty isolated as well. At least I was initially. The burn community didn't, there was a few burners around, but there wasn't really a community, quote unquote, until uh, we came together, you know, in my front room, about 16 strong. And then all of a sudden, wow, wow yeah, here's a burn
2: community.
0: Yeah, I just remember the ra- the start of it was, all right, I'm going to do this. And then, you know, now was it a week out it was like two thousand invites had been sent out you know there was 150 confirmed another 150 were maybes i mean it it went from just yeah i'm gonna do this thing and then it became all right now i gotta figure out some maybe we should have some food maybe we should have this we have a lot more than i i think was it more than you expected to even you know go out there well the standard
1: ramp up for events is uh, the first one's 50 the second one's 100. Third one's 150, fourth one's 300, then 500, then 750. Right. That's usually how it rolls. So I figured we'd get about 50 folk down. Um, what I didn't anticipate was the the local turnout. Mm-hmm. Like, the local turnout was, I mean, our Austin and Dallas and, and Houston and Denver, you know, people came down from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so our peak was right around that 200 folk. And that was, like, four times the people that i had anticipated but we were very fortunate in that um the folk who gathered around the banner you know of having this event we had infrastructure mm-hmm. so i mean we had two jennies that we didn't even tap out there we we gave away 1500 pounds of ice to participants and so the fact that all of those people that showed up that we hadn't anticipated not only were we able to accommodate them but, you know, they brought it on their own. Because like when we showed up, I set up the white structure with some shade on it and we pulled up his trailer and that soundstage that you saw was just basically all the leftover wood that we had that got thrown into a pile. Mm-hmm. So somebody, I think it was Lion actually just, hey, let's build a soundstage And uh then all of a sudden that that started on Friday. And so by Friday night that soundstage was up. And painted and decorated and had lights on it. There was no, 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 actual music coming out of it at that point. But yeah, the event, the event, that was just basically, hey, throw some shit on the ground. And then all of a sudden, bam, there's a, there's a sound stage and there's no speakers yet. I think Nate came in like Friday, but he crashed out till late. And so some of the kids actually drove into Rena Center and, and got a stereo system from Rena Center for like 30 bucks, came out and hooked it up. And yeah, that's how dedicated they were. They drove all the way back into Corpus Christi got themselves a sound system, built the stage from scratch. So,
0: I mean. Oh, I honestly thought it was like a planned thing, really. I didn't know it was just, oh, there's there's some wood over there. If you want, let's do that then. I didn't think it was. Yeah, I thought, it like I said, I thought it was planned. Just, oh, we're going to have this, we're going to have this, and there we go, Not just Oh, there it is.
1: Right. And that and that was one of the concerns that, you know, was given to me early on when I started plotting this. It is it isn't our way to provide infrastructure past porta potties and a fire usually. Um, there may be a greeter station, you know, um a little bit of education on the way in, maybe some rangers going on, but for what I had envisioned for the beach, as I know I came and I camped on the beach and it sucked ass. Like it's
0: fucking... It's hard. Yeah, I have, I have a trailer, and it was still kind of difficult. Yeah, you rolled in like a boss, dude. There was, <laughs>
1: there, you didn't you didn't have to sweat nothing. You just cracked open the door, and you were done. But with the folk who were down there on the ground in the tent, you know, we had... The wind what, was killer. Right. 23-mile-an-hour sustained, which is not normal, y'all. 23-miles-an-hour sustained means that you had a total just driving sand at all times, and it never let up. Yeah. So what i wanted to do was be able to use my experience at least for this first one um, to set up as much infrastructure as possible kick out some food and make sure that the people who did come down who did not know how to take care of themselves yet because they had not experienced this event under these conditions you know they're not falling out so it's like it's kind of like an extended safety thing but at the same time for folk who know me uh, they know that my barbecue is basically how I communicate with the flip side. Like I talk through my grill, so for me it was second nature. I've been I've been cooking for our hungry hippies since I came on the scene, and uh, I don't know how many people have come up and said, "Yeah, you saved my life, dude." Well, it was just a thing of pickles, man. Right. You know, but hey, you need that salt and stuff. So it seemed natural to me to fall into that role, at least this time. And then knowing that security was all taken care of by my locals and all that other stuff, it, I was free to roam and free to dive into my art, which is cooking. I love to do it.
0: So I noticed that you posted beforehand that you were trying to work on more like um, like welcoming the stranger with this event. How do you feel you did with it, Tal? Well, I think that it couldn't have been more successful in any measure,
1: in any way that you look at that event. I don't think that it could have been more successful. Uh, it was. It was – It just shredded up and down. Like, the locals, (laughs) just to watch the change in the way that the locals responded to their environment by what they did with their cans and by what they did with their cigarette butts. I mean, the transformation happened, and it was interesting to talk with the local folk afterwards because what they were most surprised is the fact that there were no fights. Like, down on the beach, man, we scrapped. Like, if there's a bonfire, you're going to find a fight. It's just the way it is. And to have that many locals on hand and that many out-of-towners on hand and for everyone to get along and for that basic realization that safety is possible in numbers out there on the beach among the locals and among the out-of-towners, because I'm sure that there were people who came with a certain amount of trepidation. Folk know the beach that I'm down on. Some, some people have been there from Austin and they're aware that, Hey, now this is, this is redneck roundup out here, man. Four by four, blam, blam, yeehaw. So it took a fair amount of courage for folk to trust, you know, that I had done my homework and that we had reasonable precautions, especially when you go and drop a bomb, like, Hey, we're not having any Rangers at this event. Right, Because welcoming the stranger is what we're going to do. And we're not going to have barriers between us and other participants. So radical self-reliance is key here. And welcoming the stranger to me, okay, so we've gotten really good at the party. We've gotten plug and play. And you can see it just in the amount of regionals that are springing up across the country and how quickly they evolve. So infrastructure, we know how it's laid out. We know what the positions need to look like. We know what the base administration is going to look like. The model has been tried and true. So I took a look at this experiment that we're all participating in and said, yeah, we've succeeded. We have succeeded in doing this thing and making what we call a burn event. And it's done. We've done that, and it's replicable. It's been replicated all over the nation and across the globe, as a matter of fact. So, what's next? Right? And my first event was a decompression. And the decompression event is traditionally that, where we will welcome the stranger. In in L.A., it may be a, more of a form of a block party, or in San Francisco, it may be more of a form of a block party as well. But here still is an example of where we're dovetailing, in some way, with what people call the default world and for me in my journey through transformative experience you know my fourth flip side i was like all right i got this whatever every once in a while i'll still get teary-eyed and such you know when i look at the beauty that our our culture creates but i guess i'm calloused in some ways Uh, it's old hat jaded yes jaded is i think the word and uh, so when I reached that point where the rate of return for my investment of time um, to execute an event, i when going go to flip side, burn a lot of time, make an infrastructure, all that stuff. At the end of it, you know, I feel good about what I did, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's cool. I got to talk to 14 or 15 people, you know, but I was so busy doing that, what I was doing. I wanted to try and do something different. And so beachside is more of a decompression S. I mean, it's a burn event. I mean, all the trappings and earmarks of the burn event are there. uh, What with some differences. If you don't have a ticketed event, some people might say this isn't a burn, right? Um, Some people might say that if you don't have greeter, you know, it's not a burn. Some people might say if you don't have rangers, you know, that's not a burn. I don't know. It felt like a burn. You know, to me. So I think that we're trying to hit that middle ground where, if I can get enough of my family to come down, and enough of the locals to blend in with that amount of population, where there's no overload or balance one way or the other, where the locals don't feel like they're being West Coastified, or the the Austinites don't feel like they're in danger of having their heads torn off. Um, I think that's the middle ground that I wanted to hit because in our, in our burn events, we, we get this illusion of safety insofar as our emotional experience and our physical experience you know, outside of you know jumping in the fire or whatever. But when we have this illusion of safety, we let our guard down. And for some to say, well, the transformative experience, that's a necessary part of the equation. But this year at Flipside, I saw a lot of negative shakeout from people letting their guard down and having those boundaries being taken advantage of. So you have to ask yourself that question, where's the tradeoff? You know, where where is that point at which, okay, I can totally let go and totally trust this stranger who's wearing a banana hammock and offering me a drink that I've never tried before? You know, this is a a dangerous situation here um, for everybody. Definitely. But at the same time, sure, I'm gonna take that drink. Why not? Right? I trust him.
0: Well I've always I've always been told, um, ask. What is it? Before. That, that that's the big one. It's it's I've uh, last this last year at Flipside, I was walking down one of the roads and had this girl come up, Hey, would you help me drink I drink this. Taste this. Like, Alright, what is it? It's and she told me it was beer, some type of beer something. like that. Okay. You at least told me that it's not something i don't want to exactly it's not something i yeah just have a good trip that's okay no thank you no it was kosher it was fine but no ask definitely <laughs> yeah no and i agree and but more
1: than that so like taking that a step back further you know it's it's important to scrutinize the contacts that we have and the nature of the contacts that we have but for me i always try to load myself with a friend who's going to be keeping an eye out um a lot of times, I mean, geez, it's really fun to just strike out on your own and live flip, flip side for a while. You know, you're wandering around, there's no one to look to, it's all on you. But most of the time that I'm cruising, it's with a pack. You know, we'll have uh, up to six or seven people and that will break off in a snowflake formation, and we'll have two. And then we'll join by three
0: more. Right, that's that's exactly what I did this last year. It was, I did have a couple strikeouts on my own, just go out, but uh, no, definitely with... You know my other camp mates, and I had a lot of them this year. They usually do something where it's Friday night, Saturday night, we're all going to go out kind of thing, and then it just kind of goes to, well, where is this person? I don't know. They they went off with this person. Go back to camp to get this. I'm never going to see them again until tomorrow. So that's that's into that my night with them. You know.
1: Well, this is this is one of the one of the beauties of welcoming the stranger, is that so? To welcome someone doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're going to just drink whatever they're offering it means that you're going to welcome them hi 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 you know and uh but you still have your guard up because that why that's a that's a stranger mm-hmm. right so we're welcoming you but it's still a stranger now when i'm in the flip side environment i'm going to assume everyone's family so welcoming the stranger isn't happening they're not strangers they're family Right, and that's why we let our guard down. Whereas if they were actually a stranger, you wouldn't have your guard down to that to that level, or maybe you would. I don't know. But for me personally, that was why I wanted to not have rangers at beachside, um, because I feel that that's one of the disarming factors that it lulls us into a false sense of security. Um, not that we shouldn't trust everybody. I mean, Jesus, I trust everybody reasonably. You know, I'm pretty big. It's going to be very difficult to hurt me right um but at the same time you know i'm not everyone and i can't look out for everyone and i'd like to say it's a safe environment but at the same time if you're letting your guard down to that level then you're opening yourself up and you know there's a victim (laughs) blaming welcoming the stranger is healthy
0: (laughs) so yes why i did this um I don't necessarily have a lot of burn friends, burner friends, and whenever I got back from my first one, I talked too much about it to the point that they just got sick of it. Uh, this is a way to get to know and talk about flip side and burn events and get to know other people here because what I said in the last one is what I find a lot of is that you, you all know each other, but you don't really. You all hang out with, I, I have my camp and I know them very well, and they're awesome people, but I don't know. I didn't know Thomas that well. I knew what he looked like, and he's he's a great guy, and I really I wanted to get to know him, so that's why. I have to know this guy at the at the uh, beachside, and then, no man, you're cool. I'll, I I want to talk to you, you know, and it burned out a lot of my friends. So it's one of those. All right, I can't really talk about. It. So really, the only time that I do get to talk about burn events or flipside are when about a month before they happen. It really that's that's the truth. So. Exactly or or in the month afterward, that's basically it, and so I have about ten months where I have to hold all this in and think about it, and now I don't have anybody to talk to or think about my other art projects or if I'm going to do something, so I figured that this would be a great way to get that out of my system, get to know more burners out there, um expand my knowledge, expand anybody elses I wanted to listen to, and just kind of just talk about it, you know. Exactly. And, and, and the cool part about this is that no one that I've ever, that I've approached approached and asked them about this, because I was always worried about, because, you know, you have the the consent issue with the pictures. You know, you don't ask before you take a picture. I think it's a, it's a privacy issue. It, it, well, it is a privacy issue. So I'm getting this, I'm getting all this information from you. You don't have to talk to me you don't have to, I, I'm putting this out here for people to listen to, and if you are at any point, I don't really want to put myself out there that I am a part of it, some people can be, some people don't want to put that out there, and so every person that I've talked to, it's been, all right, well, I'm going to do this, uh, and Just we're just going to talk, and if you want to, that'd be very cool, and I've had no one say no, no one said no, and it's it's always just been an issue of, scheduling like you know getting thomas was awesome getting you down here is like well, how did how are you here corpus christi isn't very far bullshit i drove that <laughs> that's a far drive and i like driving
1: well, we were talking sort of earlier about uh you know getting to know folk and we we're also talking uh, during our break a little bit about you know, our friendships relative to each other in the community. And it's always been interesting to me to find out what it is that my friends do, like for a living, because when we talk, we're at the burn or we're doing burn things and and work or private life really never comes up. And even in the backyard party circuit, I mean, I go three or four years, I don't know what this person does. And all of a sudden I get a LinkedIn invite you know and i'm like holy shit that's a phd what the f- <laughs> space scientist really <laughs> and then i'm i I'm, never ceases to amaze me you know just the 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 sheer talent that that our community has but insofar as relationships what i've noticed is that our culture is very cat like in that it's really hard to get and get them to come you know unless you got food but more than that what i've noticed is that people's response from the community is almost directly proportional to the amount that they volunteer and the relative infrastructure position that they that they end up in so if you've got a person who let's say for example um during the flip side experience will donate 16 hours of their time i.e four four four-hour shifts Well, they're forced to interact with all of those people that they're supporting during those volunteer hours. And so if you're greeting, yeah, you're going to get a whole lot of traffic, right? If you're rangering, you're probably going to be up in everybody's noses. If you're parking,
2: yeah, if you're parking.
1: Right, so the more that you volunteer, The more people see you volunteering, the more people get the opportunity to interact with you. And and we're really bad with names, but we're good with faces. And I think that's part of the reason why we're why we develop these burn names. You know, except for you know radio protocol, we gotta have handles when we're on because you can't have thirty toms. But when when I remember your face, that'll come first, and then I'll see you again. Hey, what's up, dude? And then I'll be like, hey, Brian, what's going on? You know, that's like fourth or fifth time to meet.
2: Because
1: we're a huge-ass family. And we got, like, what, almost 3K at Flipside. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll speak to one person once. So I speak to him twice. I speak to them the third time. Then they've come around a couple times. And so I'll take that opportunity maybe to actually ingrain a name, you know, with that face. But... It only happens in the community when you're out there and when you're working the backyard party circuit. And so when I started doing Burners Without Borders um, activities, <clears throat> that was in 06, I think late 05, early 06, when I started doing Burners Without Borders stuff, it became necessary for me, if I wanted to be successful, to meet everybody and get to know everybody at least as many people as I could, so that way we could get more people involved. Um, and I did that primarily through my grill. So I'd just, you know, cook, 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 cook. People would wander up sooner or later. Why don't
2: you got any fucking vegetarian food?
1: <laughs> Sorry. Um, Next year, we brought veg- I brought vegetarian food, you know? So, I mean, it's like, but I you know, that was my means of communication, because I, like you and, and, and like like Hillary here is are shy. I mean, <laughs> believe it or not, you know, it's hard for me to just walk up to somebody that I
0: don't know and say hi. Right? You feel me on that? No, no, I completely agree. It's it's one of those coming from like even a theater background. I know you do a lot of you've done theatrical things. You know, it's very interesting that those people are you now that it's it's a different persona, really, it really is. I think because when I go out to flip side, whenever I want to turn it on. You know via you know even the karaoke it's there there is a there is a straight up switch where it goes from you know now i'm on stage there here i am versus now i'm off stage i'm gonna go hang out over here and i
1: so when i started doing burners without borders projects uh, it became necessary for me to um meet many people so that we could solicit more volunteers to get involved because Early on I saw, I mean, when we started documenting lead positions for Flipside, when we laid out the structure, um, and when we actually started making job descriptions uh, for the actual lead titles to so where people could look at a thing and know what they're supposed to do without actually having it being communicated to them. I mean, it still is. We do the training and all that good stuff. But once a Flipside was born as an organizational entity and was on paper and became immortal, then... I was sort of like, well, what's next? Because for me, you know, I enjoy the flip side experience. I love the burn experience. I love going and putting on the costumes. I love being me, you know? And then you go to go back to work and then I'm not, you know, well, not anymore. I'm whoever the, I'm, I'm at work. I do, I live, I work in a lab. So nobody sees me. So I pretty much jump around and sing and do all kinds of crazy crap all day long. So I can do whatever. But the point is that out there was a difference between my flip side experience and what happened when I wasn't at flip side. You know, people refer to this as the default world. And for me, I, I didn't like that. I think that's bullshit. I don't want people to ostracize me uh, if I, if I want to wear, you know, a puffy pirate shirt. Yeah, I like puffy pirate shirts. You know, I might want to wear it out. And I do. And fuck them anyway. But I, I want to be the world, I want the world to be reflective of my values. And so I like to be comfortable. But it's really hard, like once you drive outside of Austin, all bets are off. You know, uh, you're in the middle of a redneck bill. And so what I wanted to do is change that world. Or at least change the view of the people who live in that world of me. To where I could be as expressive
0: as I wanted to be, I could be a burner all the time, and I've done that. Well, that's why I, I don't really necessarily feel too uh, a problem with talking about. I go to Flipside, and you know, you always like I said, earlier. You know, it depends on who you're talking to. It depends on what it is, but I don't necessarily have a problem with it because I don't. I don't. I don't think there is a problem with what we do at Flipside or any, at any burn event, really. And that's a mistake.
1: (laughs) What we do at Flipside is not cool. Insofar as if, if you were to take Texas, right? And let's take a random sample of Texas. And let's put them in a group of eight. And put them in the middle of Flipside. And see if they think everything is okay. Sure. I get what you're coming from. I do you're bubbled already you're you're bubbled from austin already like it's becoming okay to do what we do when we started doing this it definitely wasn't okay pop media has picked up on burning man as the trademark and as the symbol so from the top down culture is a, responding a little bit differently to us mm-hmm. but only here in austin man
0: like once you get outside of austin nobody knows what the hell burning man is sure no that that's one of the things i always find interesting it's when you, whenever i was always asked what do i do i go to flip side well what is that well have you heard of burning man that when the most response was no and that blows my mind it, it's 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 weird just no okay have you been on youtube have you checked this out and it's, it's become so much a part of what I do, which my non-burger friends are they're the ones that don't get it. They're, they're just weirded out. It's like, what do you mean? Why aren't you? What, what do you mean you're doing this? You're doing a podcast or you you, you made a guitar out of it with LEDs. What, why? It's the weirdest thing to me. And honestly, I don't necessarily think it's too much of a big deal. I And yes, there is that cultural thing of there's a bunch of hippies out there and I don't see it that much. I really don't. It's there's there's too much diversity out there that you're gonna go if you were to go you're gonna find something that you like. Look
2: at pictures and they still are like I don't get it. I'm not interested. That makes no sense to me.
0: What what I've gotten to the point is is that once they don't get it, all I can tell them is a burn event is the matrix. I can't tell you what it is. You're gonna have to experience it for yourself, and that's just the the base. Everyone that. That i show this to everyone's no all right you don't it's it's the matrix that's what it is it's funny I, because
1: you've made the cultural shift already like when 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 one is to say i'm a burner you know that means that we live a certain way when we're burn centric and most of our relationships are with other people who share our vision um we get bubbled and we tend to forget that we are in the vast minority uh even i mean the edm scene is pretty big right now you got some pretty big uh festivals out there that are bringing what we do main <laughs> mainstream you know and the music is the bridge to our culture uh well at least to my opinion <laughs> there will be many people who disagree with that statement and that's fine I always said the flip side was the best rave I ever been to. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, much to everyone's chagrin. But like that, it's it is a city, and it has those things for everyone who wants to go to it. But once again, like our experience isn't the bulk of people's experience, and that's why I wanted to do the burners without borders thing.
0: Right, and this is why I want to do this kind of thing as well as I have friends of mine who don't go that. The uh, the first interview with Thomas was very interesting for them.
1: Well, in touching on that point too, when we're talking about people and meeting people at, at Flipside or at any of the burn events, and how difficult it is for me personally, you know, to just walk up to somebody. And we're talking about switches, and I have like four or five switches, and one of those switches is if you're new to the community, you know, the soapbox. You know, it's uh, and it's not the soapbox really. It's just it's these are my beliefs, and these are this is why I burn. You know, and so we talk about radical self-reliance and we talk about welcoming the stranger and we talk about the freedom that comes with gifting. And so that conversation is hard for me because it pulls everything out from inside me out. So I'm like into it when I'm talking. I totally have this rush of adrenaline. You know, I'm into what I'm talking about. I'm just going, just. And then at the end of it, I'm like drained. I'm like, Ooh. I'm gonna go crawl back in my hole, man. Um, because it takes a lot out of me to share that vision because it's a treasured thing. And I don't want to expose it in a way that's gonna short sell the experience. Right?
2: So I was laughing. I went to lab the other day and I talked about what we talk about on weekends. I talk about burns. I talk about everything. And I was going off on our culture and our principles to some nerds in the lab that don't know anything about it. And one guy, brilliant postdoc, he and he's from Texas, but and cool person, essentially, but not a burner. And he kind of looks at me, you know, if you cared about the work that we did here in this research lab, half as much as you cared about this burner thing, you'd be really good at your job. So, well, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah
1: if we cared as much about the real world as we did about burning the real world would be a much better place right well that's why i did the birds without borders So i was like okay i hear i hear i go around the campfires you know i talk to the hippies and the hippies talking all kinds of shit about making stuff better and so that's me i i do events right and and when i hear people say you know i'd love to go out and you know go help people then that's going to be the nature of what I do. I'm going to go ahead and find something that's going to help people out. And then we're going to get together and we're going to do that. We're going to have a community experience. And uh, so that's why I did the Burners Without Borders thing. And then. Because we can't change people's opinions about us without being in their face. Like, you can see the simpsons and see the burning man thing that was on the simpsons and you can see malcolm in the middle and the coverage that was on there you can see all the various you know documentaries of people's trips out to the city but from a you just don't get that person you know And, and at heart i think that we are our genuine community at least at the moment you know when we're in that moment and we're being present, which is one of the things that we try to do. It's a very different experience.
0: So what camp do you camp with? Or do you do this yourself? I
1: am a theme camp. There you go. So basically, um, when I first started, uh, my first burn was I was work- I worked daft. And then my second burn, I was air facilitator for site sign-off. think. It- Thomas was right. Thomas was like right after me for AF for that, and then after that I was like, okay, I did pre-post, you know, like three years in a row, tired, so I'm gonna organize a theme camp. And uh, my mentor into this community, Pharaoh, it was kind of getting tired. He's like, I don't feel like running theme camps anymore. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And so I started running theme camps, and then so my first theme camp was like. Forty second theme camp was like fifty. And I had hundred and twenty. That was the year that Giggsville kind of camps with us uh, up on Flat Creek. And uh, I think I did I did theme camps until for three years. And then I was talking to Ryan Bonobo as a matter of fact. We were standing there, and uh, I told looked over at Ryan. I'm like, you know what, dude? I've done infrastructure. I've done theme camps. I want to do art now. And he's like, okay, that sounds like a great idea. And then the next year, uh, I went on tour with Architect.
0: That's a that's a pretty big jump from I'm going to do art, then now I'm going to be an architect.
1: Yeah, because architect really isn't really art, is it?
0: <laughs> no, no, it,
1: it totally is.
0: It, it is No, performance
1: art. No, and this is this is something that I've struggled with for a long time. Like, so I put on a shiny suit and I wave my arms around, and I call it performance art while getting struck by
2: lightning yeah
1: sure it's not really i don't know if it's art you know in the bigger sense um but i made some money (laughs) you know and it's like it's not very often that a person can say that they're doing art Mm -hmm. and that's what they're doing and i was able to do that for about three years you know traveling on the road so flip side has given me pretty much everything that i've ever wanted Did you hook up with them from Flipside, or did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The story on how I met Architect. I was an area facilitator for site sign off, and uh, our art AF was very busy, and so they had a musical group, quote unquote, uh, that wanted to come out, and they had no camping gear, and they had no outdoor set, and so I'm like, all right, they were like, can you go talk to them and see what you can do. And so I was like, sure, yeah, no problem. That'll be fun. So I went over to their house, and this uh, big hairy guy opens the door. His name is Oliver. Big chops. And uh, and he takes me into the garage, and, and there's a thing set up. looks like a 2 unit or something on the floor. And he turns it on, and these sparks start shooting out the top of it. And I'm like, whoa, that's badass, dude. What is that? And he's like, that's called a Tesla coil. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. I've never seen one of those before. And he's like just hold on man it's just warming up hold on let me turn it on and and he made it play Star Wars and I was like I was like holy shit dude seriously um that's a speaker that makes lightning and I'd never seen anything like that before probably because there were only very few people in the world who had seen one before at that point it was a very it was a novel creation but when I saw it I immediately knew that this thing that I was looking at was something and was that had the capability of bridging the gap between the crazy flip side world, the world of science, the worlds of geekdom. And I was like, all right, so you guys uh, don't worry about camping gear. I got you covered. Um, and let's uh, how does this thing work? Right. So we want to build a set, right? I'm going to help them build a set. How does this thing work? I asked Oliver and Oliver's like, just go Google it. <laughs> and so I was like, I did. So that's what I did. I went home and I Googled Tesla Coil. I figured out, you know, the basic principle of the electricity aspect of it. And then I built the piece. Well, I didn't build it, it was Oliver built most of it. I just kinda stood there pointing to ground, but came up with the idea to put up some scaffolding. And then, you know, that scaffolding would be conductive It's metal. And then use wood cross brace, you know, to isolate each one of the coils from the scaffolding. And, uh, it turned out that I could sit on top of it. So I did that and it was very fun. And then I stood up during one of the performances and everybody just went insane. And I was like, oh shit. Look what just happened. All of a sudden, it went from an installation to a show, well, it was a show already, but they just went crazy, and so I knew that it, somehow I added to this, um, or I had the capability of, of being a benefit to the crew, so I just kind of hung around, and, uh, they, uh, we had a, they had a gig come up at a um, dragon con which is like my wet dream like dragon con is the ultimate it's the burning man of of geek fair festivals it's just it's the biggest baddest role-playing convention you know uh, with parties because gen con is probably the biggest but it doesn't have the awesome parties that dragon con does but we've got so at dragon con we got 60k nerds spread out four hotels and we have on sunday Um, roughly 45 minutes of stormtroopers that walk by during the parade. It's the 501st, props out, 501st, if any of y'all are out there listening. Because, man, I'm telling you, Dragon Con is badass.
0: Where the hell were we talking about? You got the gig at Dragon Con.
1: Yeah, we got the gig at Dragon... They they got the gig at Dragon Con, and, and Oliver couldn't go. Oliver had to go to a wedding. And so Joe and the rest of the boys invited me to come. And, well, no, I begged. <laughs> I just kind of
0: begged. Hey, can I go? Can I go? Can I go, please? And they were like, okay, fine.
1: So I wrote this dumb thing. And I made, a, I had a costume and stuff. And, and we did this thing with the coils. And it was a blast. And it was amazing. And everybody loved it. And then the next thing I know, I'm in Abu Dhabi for an entire summer performing in the middle of the desert. Actually, it was in the middle of a huge football field-sized dome thing in the middle of the desert.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, the one thing I really enjoyed whenever I would show my non-burner, like the first year I went to Flipside, I went to Bad Idea. And uh, just to try and give them any kind of a taste of what was there, and Architect was there, and it's one of those, my crappy little video camera, no, I'm not going to get you that. Let's look up Architect. Oh, it's these guys. These guys were there. Check it out. You know, and that give them a little sense of you're not gonna see that live, like really anywhere. Not in Austin. Yeah, you're gonna Austin. see it, the, yeah, you gonna can't see it get in a Austin. gig here to save our ass. <laughs> but that was that was a, a key to showing them somewhat of look at the cool shit that's here. You're not gonna see that pretty much anywhere but the internet, maybe and television when it's on. Well, I appreciate
1: that. That's pretty awesome. I mean, the boys the boys really need to know. You know how. How much those Tesla codes have shaped a lot of people's flip side experience? No, they
0: have, and uh, it, it's been a real bummer that you get there and there's there's no architects what there's no oh man that's that's a bummer and it's always it's always the hope it's always the hope that maybe they'll be back, you know that for the past couple of years like well, it would be cool if they were there and it's not going to define the experience, but it's just going to enhance it. It shaped that one, cause that was a hell of a time, you know, especially when it's the first the first time you get to see it. And by the way, that was the last time you're going to see that, you know. Maybe maybe not.
1: Oh no, I think we're gonna. I think I think next year the plan is to
0: come big. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah, yeah,
1: well, yeah no, it's it's gonna be awesome. And I think that uh, um, when we finally get locked into it, we'll go ahead and we'll have a, a fundraising site uh, where people will be able to donate to bring the coils out defray the generator cost and the cost of fuel and all that stuff.
0: I don't think that's going to be very
1: much of a problem. Yeah, no, I'm I'm hoping. Our, I mean, our 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 family is very generous, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to blinky lights. And the Tesla coils are pretty much a caliber of their own blinky light wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing that I would rather do in the general sense than just play with the Tesla coils. I just love to do it.
0: Sure, and and that was that's one thing I love about going to these these events that you'll see stuff that you don't get to anywhere else, and it's only going to be that time. They had the the very big uh, concrete ball pendulum that was there that year. Not seen that since, but it was awesome. You know, um, this last year they had the pool table was were on the ground, and you know you had the light the lighthouse. That was that was really that was very cool to see because that was a very big thing there there it is you know and yes
2: because you're there seeing it so you as the witness are part of the whole experience rather than just these pieces of art exist Mm -hmm. burning man's kind of crossing that border now because it funds art that specifically makes it out into the civic space as part of their alleged community outreach and that's important that those things are there but it also sort of changes the element of were you there? You saw things that blew your mind that now you're forced to sort of inadequately explain to people who were not there. Because that's the whole point. Come, transitory experience these things. Have your presence. Be part of the experience. Because these things will not exist elsewhere, in another time, another place.
1: You exactly. mean you couldn't crawl all over Bliss Dance?
2: I could still do that in San Francisco. Thank you so much. And I
1: I Treasure Island. Oh yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, this last year I decided I wasn't going to take any pictures of anything. I, I think I'm better for it. It's, it's no, this is my experience. It's gonna stay with me. And um, I know. To, I'm also not that much of a picture taker anyway. We've got
1: some, some really awesome photographers in the community that I trust to capture most of the things that I wanted to see.
0: Exactly, exactly. And and, and coming back from and seeing all the cool stuff I didn't get to see, it was like, oh, there's that thing that I saw that was awesome. So I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily need to. I don't need to keep it. I have what I have, and that's awesome, and anything that I do bring of my own personal art, I, I have pictures of, and that's because it's mine, but I don't need to have any real record, and I thought that was one thing I missed out on, it was a couple years ago that they did the, um, was it, the Artwork of Dreams or something, it was, and the Gallery of Dreams, gallery of dreams. that's it what it was,
2: yeah.
0: yeah, I never actually went to go see it, it's kind of a bummer, but. I appreciate that it exists. That's it's like, no, this is the one time thing that you get to see. And this is, it's going to be gone afterward. It's awesome.
2: It very personal as well. So photographing it would not have been appropriate. Well, I wouldn't have photographed it
0: anyway, but that's how I, that's how I keep my experience. Now I'm not going to, I'm not going to take pictures of it because I'll take a picture of the effigy just so I have, all right, that's the record. That's
2: all I need. You never see
0: everything. That's a choice
2: you have to make all the time because you're having your own experience outside of every single piece of art everywhere. On the flip side, it's less of a barrier, but at Burning Man, you never see everything. And you can either worry about what other people are seeing or you can try to be open to what you yourself are actually seeing, the people you're actually talking to, and the moments you're actually having. Hmm? Exactly.
1: Being present.
0: So that's part of it, right? <laughs> And it was a weird
1: transition because, like, when I get when I go to Flipside, my phone I turn it off. You know,
0: before I get to Greeter, my phone's off, and uh, I have such bad cell reception that I might as well. It's all it, the only the only time, the only time, and I don't really mind it. It doesn't bother me. The only time that I get that I would like cell reception is really just for weather. But I have enough campmates that. Right, but you don't know that storm's coming at you until, oh, that storm's, you know, it's about 20 minutes away. You yeah, that need... storm pounded us. Yeah, exactly. And so that's the only, that's the only time that I feel like I need to have myself on I me. Mean, I'm not trying to contact anybody out there. Everyone who I know either knows that I'm out there and they're not going to get a hold of me or they're out there with me already. So I don't have to worry about it anyway. I'm not trying to get out. It's more or less, it'd be cool to know if there's going to be rain in about an hour or so, or if that. Should I go ahead and batten down the hatches, or do I need to not worry about it?
1: Well, this was one of the mistakes that I made early on with the Burners Without Borders stuff, and that is the fact that, you know, I'm a non-picture kind of guy. I don't don't approve in the general sense. I don't want to go ask everybody if I got them in frame, you know, if I got permission, whatever. But um, in the case of the Burners Without Borders stuff, because there's only like five or six of us there doing it, you know, there's never any whole... Shit ton of people that would show up to the events because I, you know, I made them kind of small. The uh, if I if we didn't take pictures, the story never really got told. I mean, so when when the public face of what it is that I'm doing with the burners without borders, um, the documentation aspect of it is so necessary, and I've gotten much better now at documenting or at least making sure that there are people around who are documenting so that that story can be told. And I think that we did a much better job at Beachside Mm -hmm. and at the Shotgun Shell Roundups and at the other cleanups that we had of actually taking pictures and then posting, you know, pre-post, you know, so we could actually see the difference Mm -hmm. that we made. And so that's been a hard thing for me to learn how to do. And that's stop working.
0: And take pictures. (laughs) Well, I think there's a big difference between taking pictures to take pictures versus documentation. I think there is a bit of a difference. Because I do like the fact that I have a picture of my theme camp. Because that thing's very big. And you would never guess that usually eight people set that up. Nine people set that up. And it's an impressive feat that, yeah, ten people. Two domes. One large tent. All these tents. We are all here. We need to know that. This is how we, it's also very good to go. Well, how many how many poles are in each dome? We still don't know. We still don't know for sure. It's it's details, but they're important details. So it's it's that What are the dimensions? I they're 20 feet. They're not 20. They're 20 feet tall. No, they're not 20 feet tall. You know those kind of things that you know, documentation is very important, and versus going out to just take pictures to have it.
1: Well, and that's and that's one of the weird things about you know trying to reach out to my locals is trying to describe you know flip side we had that conversation earlier it's, it's impossible like I tell them you know don't throw your cigarette butts out there and they're like why and I'm like because
2: <laughs>
1: because it's not cool right oh but you don't know what cool is yet <laughs> all right. Um, uh, how are we going to get cool down here? All right, so I'll build an effigy and invite some cool down here. And so then when they saw the cool, then they were like, oh, you mean if I don't flip my cigarette butts out, there'll be people spinning fire with LED hula hoops and stuff running around? You
0: mean if we clean up this glass, there'll be people spinning fire? Yeah. Exactly.
1: So the more people that, you know, we can acculturate in that way and the cleaner we can keep that beach, the, the more habitable the place that we'll have. And we've, as long as, as that beach stays four-wheel drive accessible only until they bring scrapers out so I'm trying to keep Nueces County out of there, that will be our beach because that slush on the way in is enough to scare most people. They won't drive through it. It was pretty scary come out. Yeah, you know that first fifty yard strip that I'm talking about. Yeah. And that was that was
0: it was scary the entire time, honestly. It really was. I, I was when you were like, Oh yeah, park right here. Uh alright, I'll I'll right here. Alright. Feels very dusty here. Well, A scary.
1: And that's and no sand driving experience. So if you're listening to this and you intend on coming down to Beachside, I have one tip for you. Keep your wheels straight and keep a constant rate of speed. Don't be a wuss. You got to get up on it. You got to get your, you're going to use momentum to plow through that slush. And any angle you put those tires on is going to dig you in. So let's say, for example, I didn't handle it well. And now I think I'm going to get stuck, right? Stop your car. Don't try and back up. Don't put it in reverse. Just get out of your vehicle. We'll be along fairly shortly to get you out.
0: Right. That was one of the major things, and one of the first conversations I've had with had with you was, all right, is this okay to come out? Can I take this? How's my truck? Would my truck work? Would my trailer work with it? And yeah, you were very uh, helpful with saying, no, no, it'd be okay. Sand conditions are good, but also the, and if you get stuck, you'll be fine. We'll get you out. And that was right there was all right so if anything i do have at least one person i can come after you know to get help
1: well the the, the fact of the matter is down there on the beach is uh, we're pretty the locals are a pretty tight knit community just with anybody it's not necessarily a local anybody that gets stuck out there the rednecks just love to tow people out i mean it's just i got this here truck i got this here tow rope i'm going to hook it up pull you out Why? Because I can. And if there's a girl involved, man, you really don't have to wait. I'm telling you what, you'll be out of there really quick. So, I mean, the major fear, I'm going to get stuck, you know, that's a fear, sure. But it's really nothing, man. Because you come down there, you get stuck. The worst thing that absolutely happens is you walk a mile and a half. Big freaking deal, you know, that's like, (laughs) it's not even old to to the bridge. I mean, there shouldn't be that fear. I mean, it is it is a logical fear. That slush on the way in, like you said, is a, is, a, is it's scary even to me. And you just got to take a run at it, get your wheels straight, get your momentum up, and get through it. Once you get through that first, you know,
2: any prior invitation or education from just showing up, so it allows you to control entry to the beach. It allows you to control the culture that you foster there at times that you wish to foster it without it just being taken over as yet another popular beach to shoot people or whatever.
1: Yep, there's no inbuilt security out there. That's our security. Security is remoteness and reputation. Um, Because, right, it's a party spot. Uh, when the cops come out there, the cops come out there and they mean business. Uh, they know that there's big parties that happen out there and they come out there to bust them. So... You know, the fact that we don't get busted because the cops know us and they know what we're doing out there speaks tons. Yeah. I mean, it's our beach. Like, I mean, you even saw the cruiser come up.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: And you saw the interaction happen. That's the only patrol. Those those two officers, those two dudes right there, those are the only dudes that we have to help us. <laughs> and they know me by name.
2: Okay, there you
0: go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So I mean, we're not in danger. Well, I mean, we're shit, We're in danger wherever you're at. You know, what I mean, it's Texas. But between me and you, man, I go out to J.P. Luby, and this is our heavily populated beach. And I'm I don't feel safe. Like it's gangbangers from Houston, gangbangers from San Antonio. I mean, it's the thump thump lowrider crowd out there. And I feel much safer with the rednecks. You know, in the 4x4s. So, I don't know. I think if we can just clean that beach up, I think it's definitely... I mean, it's Burner Beach. It is what it is.
0: It's a a process that you're getting. It's doing very well. What I've seen with the news and whatnot coming out there. Hey, man, you were on television. Good on you. Again.
1: Well, and that was an interesting thing because it it didn't... It had nothing to do with the Tesla clothes. It had nothing to do with ARCHITAC. It had everything to do with doing public work. Um, there's a political issue that's going on right now with with Burner Beach, and Burner Beach is uh, prime real estate. Um, the property itself is basically the demarcation of where the suburban sprawl has stopped. There's a Schlitterbahn that has gone in on North Padre Island, within you know four miles of where our event site is the houses have been creeping out south for a very long time and they stop right on the Claybrook County line because that GLO property is a buffer um, between that spread and and where we're at. So it's just a matter of time before that whole area is, you know, parted out. Um, Initially, the Nature Conservancy, which is a non-profit group, was, was staged to take over that property and then turn it over to the, the, the Padre Island National Seashore. And that deal fell through um, shortly after I started working with um, the General Land Office, the Nature Conservancy, and the, the seashore. That thing was going to happen. Um, and and it, and it fell by the wayside, and I was really, really glad. Because the, the plans were, I mean, you saw the bowl. Um, the rednecks take their 4x4s back in there and they go romping around. And it's a lot of fun to watch the kids take their 4x4s out there in the dunes. It's illegal as shit. Um, but it's not. The culture of use is that that is legal and it's expected behavior. Um, so this section of, of Wild Coast really is Texas, as I envision it should be, where it's a little redneck playground. Where there are no laws. Where we, where we are our own bosses. There's radical self-reliance. You know? And, and there's very few places that I like to go that are like that. Because everything's been settled. So, the freedom that this section of beach represents to me is being threatened right now. It's being threatened by the feds from the seashore. And it's being threatened by Nueces County and Nueces County wants to purchase this property from the Texas General Land Office. And <clears throat> technically they can't, um, unless the GLO defaults on the agreement that they have with the Fed. And that is to maintain the wild aspect of what it is. And so, um, the counties have come out and just let whoever do whatever out there to devalue that property to such a low level that they will um Forfeit their contract with the Fed, and thereby that property would be able to be sold. And so what we're doing out there really is throwing a big roadblock in that plan. It's kind of weird to say that you know one dude can just totally stop two major government entities by cleaning up some trash, but that's exactly what's going on right now.
0: It's not like anybody's going to really complain, like oh that guy cleaning up what pretty- he. Yeah, that's pretty bad PR to go, that guy cleaning up that beach, I wish I could stop him. You can't really say that.
1: Well, and this is is the defense that I have against the world. Uh, If you're doing the right thing, and you're doing it in the right way, and hopefully for the right reasons, then there's not much that you can gainsay that. So I try to do those things as often as I can. So as to be unassailable, I guess is a good word. Can you say, well, you know, people talk shit from the sidelines all the time and their opinion is valid, you know, by default, everyone's opinion is valid, but it's an opinion. And and I'm a dude who's actually out there doing this work. I was talking to an ecologist and I baited him into attacking the 4x4 track. And he was saying what a, what a horrible ecological disaster this 4x4 track is. And I was like, have you ever walked out there on it, dude? And he's like, no. I said, well, here, let me tell you what I did. Right? Uh, I walked on that track. I sectioned off a 10x10 section on either side of that track. I took a loose count of the flora and fauna and the, uh, the bugs that I found. And then I went over to the seashore to some pristine area, and I did a similar count. And what I found was that uh, that there, the the diversity is similar. There's no difference in between my parses. Granted, my n was low. I did a small sample, but I'm just doing an ad hoc measure to see whether or not the environmental impact to the surrounding area by this use of this four by four track is as devastating as this ecologist is saying, right? And uh, because I want to agree with him, I'm green, you know. I don't want to do things that are going to just totally trash the environment. But at the same time, me as a person, when I look out there, as a scientist even, I can look and see, yeah, there's freaking just as many coyotes and rattlesnakes out there as there are anywhere else. So what harm is really being done by this use? Well, there is no real harm that's being done by this use. Um, Are there people getting hurt while they're out there on the 4x4 track? Sure. But do the ambulances come out there? No right there are no there are no services there's nobody coming for you man all told how much does it cost the county to maintain this nothing nobody's maintaining shit so i really don't think that there's any need to change anything out there except for remove the trash the culture of use has to change the way that we use the land has to change the activities on it Them going out there and shooting their shotguns and shooting their automatic weapons, driving their 4x4s up around in the dunes, I fully support those activities. I support their freedom to engage in those activities. I I don't necessarily, I don't have a gun or anything like that. I will shoot one, it's fun, but it's not a behavior that I'll go out of my way for. But I will go and clean up the mess that they make to help them preserve the right. Or opportunity to continue to do that into the future, until such a time as they learn to pick up their own crap. I'm willing to take that because I value beachside, and I value that piece of property and the freedom that it represents to me. Because like that's what I got from Flipside: freedom, gifting, right? N- not feeling any reciprocity norm when I gift. I don't expect anything back Sure, that's freedom um being radically self-reliant that means i have everything that i need that means freedom right welcoming the stranger this is freedom you you can't do these things without being free so for me flip side is you know freedom the ultimate sense of freedom i can walk around with my cracker i can walk around with my bong and I can do whatever, and the sheriff rolls by in his golf cart, true story, I was walking around with cracker, sheriff walked by in his golf cart, and nobody says shit. Mm-hmm. That's freedom, to me, to radically self-express, to express my way in a way, and to, to be mean, as I want to be. And I can do that at Burner Beach, and I can do that probably at Mischievous if I went there too. You should totally go to Mischievous yeah well I'm, that's what i'm saying this is this is we bring freedom with us by our behavior and so that freedom is the thing that i want to share with the rest of the world with the default world if, if there's something that i can give to everyone out there it's the gift of freedom the gift of being able to not expect shit from anybody because your theme camp has failed you so many times <laughs> The gift of
2: community. Gift of community. Well, I mean, you're giving people in Corpus who ordinarily would not necessarily bond together. They might fight on the beach or they might belong to a church when they're older. But you're giving them a sense of community now, a sense of relying on each other through individual, in, invisible means of a shared culture that they didn't necessarily know they had.
1: No, that is, you're absolutely right. The gift of family. I guess is another way to put it. But I do want to say that they do have a culture. And that they do interact in a certain way. And I am not going to make a moral judgment uh, insofar as if they fight. And that's the way that they interact. And my bros down there are rough and tumble. They'll go to blows. They fight each other. They roll around on the ground. And then later on, they're hugging each other and they're having a beer and it's no big deal.
0: No, no. Yo, no, you, okay, got, you, so, you talk so much into the microphone, and I don't think anybody's really heard that much, because I might have to edit a lot of it down. And it's not going to make me happy. You realize I have to go through all of this. I have to on. listen to it again. Not that I'm going to be mad about it, but I do have to listen to it all again, and I'm going to have to go, oh, man, I can't hear you.
1: But earlier earlier, you had you used the phrase uh, intentional community, and so I, it got me to thinking. I mean, that's a good buzzword. I, I like the sound of it. It's got a nice ring to it. Well, why that's why i wanted you to explain it to me because when you say intentional community it's just you know like yeah we do go out there and we have a purpose you know we're burning but what what more did you mean by that
2: well i don't really know if i want to talk about this but i feel like it's um it's a community of shared values that extends far beyond a party atmosphere we're having a party because it's fun i've had barbecues with family and i didn't have anything in common with them i've had random school mixers i don't have in common with them either but when we come together to burn event we are forming a community allegedly of semi-like-minded individuals and the party's fun because if we're all out on a piece of land somewhere wouldn't you like to have a party well yeah would you like to have some fire yes would you like to have things to look at yes do you want to wear costumes of course but the only reason that we all agree collectively that we want these things is because we are a community of like-minded individuals we're gathered there because we have well we put into the idea that we're a shared community that's kind of a family and if we didn't intentionally all choose that it would never be true but if everyone chooses that to be true then it is and i've been part of burner communities in a variety of different cities and one of the key aspects in a small place like austin is you can post on a list and say you need help And people will help you. I met people at Burning Man that uh, described to me being sick somewhere in the Hawaiian Islands and posting on a list that they were sick and they needed help and people showing up to help them because they'd been to Burning Man before. And so the idea that we form a family, that's what influences the rest of the world, I think. Like the fact that we choose to put something like blood above our blood, to put values that we think we can share with people and we make those trust without any sort of actual blood affiliation, that I think is a very, very meaningful aspect of our community. We can fuck up, we can wear a stupid costume, we can wear no costume, but we have decided that we're all gonna give it a shot. We're gonna be in this dismembered family that's kind of trying to be together and we'll make an effort to help one another. That gives people a lot of strength. And then we can have a party, then we can have a dinner party, then we can not have a party, then we can fix it up with bicycles and help move each other or whatever. But the fact that we have each other to rely on because we've sort of decided to because of a sort of belief that we can trust each other's core values, that I think is what allows each of us to sort of be stronger in ourselves all the time if you don't want to default versus burn world demarcation and that's kind of it for me well said very eloquent you should i i definitely have to get another mic in case i get
0: someone as eloquent as you to come in
1: and for me i thought it was just so i could lure uh, attractive girls into my trailer and feed them barbiturates i don't know (laughs) <laughs> one of the things that um, that I found out in the desert that I didn't like was one of the same things I found when I went to Las Vegas. And that was, well, yeah, so many hookers. No, um, wasting money. Like, so when I got involved with Burners Without Borders and started doing projects, I became aware of how much you can do with very little money-wise. Yeah. <laughs> And so when I go out, you know, to the Big Burn and I look around and, you know, I'm amazed. It's amazing. It's bigger than life. It's 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 everything that you want to be. And that's that's basically what I see when I look out there is just a lot of waste and self-celebration. You know, that's my stuff. It doesn't apply to anyone that takes anything out there. That's just what I look at when I see because I see the potential with that one art project right there, I could totally renovate Berger Beach, right? I could totally put in all the infrastructure that's needed to gather the trash, and it would be done. But go have your fun.
2: All right, um, I just want to say a little thing about that, which is that some of the more expensive quasi-burn events I got at priceless recently, and you can see a very expensive Bleeding edge of technology, but it's kind of cool because it's driving technology in atypical situations. Like, you know, all a lot of connect leaf technology that I saw performed during a DJ set. Very expensive, very cool. A lot of these weird fire rocker flowers. There's a lot of toys out there that are really expensive, and the whole thing could be established with just as much culture and fun and love with way less of a dollar amount, but some of these toys are actually driving really kind of important bleeding edge interfaces between technology and art and humanity, and that's awesome. But when that becomes a predominant thing, in fact, when I was at this particular event, I kept saying, I can't wait to get back to Texas where we kind of, you know, would glue some shit together and make a great party ourselves without every single thing and every person's jewelry costing more than my annual income. But there is something about the application of technology and people pushing that technological edge for artistic purposes that is very slick. But, I mean, on the whole, it repulses me in general. I just, there's not something without value there. It's a kind of fine line. Anyway, sorry.
0: I get what you're getting at, and I understand. However, uh, as someone who has sunk a lot of money into an art project, I understand that the money that I used. Was probably not the smartest amount of money that I should have used. Well, it's the like I ha- I brought an LED guitar to Bandersnatch. I I made a guitar. 444. What do you mean? It was it was a standard size guitar, and I put 444 LEDs into it, and it is super cool, and it is super expensive. It still have it it's in there, but you know I understand that. You know, that's a lot of for me a lot of money that was like 1500
2: bucks total These are like the hand of God how many dollars of fossil fuels does that thing burn well I guess it's not fossil fuels how many you had to put propane dollars per hour on a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. and you carted it all out there and then you start to see oh your billion propane tanks out here I think that's
0: more maybe it's a scalability stuff. issue temple 2012. <laughs> like a scalability issue well I mean but the thing with with that it was a, it was a good chunk of money that I put into this guitar it was a big chunk of money that I put into it but I had a blast doing it it taught me a lot of things and granted yeah that money could totally have been used for I don't know, 10 tickets <laughs> oh so you're selling a big art installations
1: when we make an LED guitar for ourselves then we have something that's going to last in the future.
2: And, and
0: well, the scale I mean, it was of what also I'm to make myself look also- really cool.
2: You had a project and it cost you some money. Everybody out there put everything they have. Like you can have a. It
0: was a diesel battery an hour.
2: <laughs> church that's not on fire out there that took a lot of money, took a lot of crew, took a lot of planning. That's great. Now all these people are better at budgeting, at crew, at planning, at building something beautiful. There are some aspects of some of our culture that just consume fuel per hour to exist. And some of that is maybe some of the objection. You have not necessarily created a thing of beauty. You've created a thing that maybe reduces dollars to pieces of rock per hour or something like that. And that might be a little bit of what might be seen as slightly excessive, at least by myself.
1: Well, there's a dovetail you know, in our culture between us and the makers. Um, you'll see that with Tech Shop, Maker Faire, sort of an, another platform by which um, burn projects are gaining longevity. Uh, so things that were built you know, primarily just to take out to the desert have now found a second home. Well, yeah, some of the Flaming Lotus Girls stuff does. <laughs> Synapse I've seen a few times. Yeah. No, it's not on fire. But the point is, you know, like when we make things and we have an opportunity to share them with other people. And when we're advancing technology, I mean, there are millions and millions of reasons to spend these dollars. And I'm not gainsaying any of them. What I'm saying is when I look out there, that's what I see. I just see direct translation, you know, of how this one spot in the world is
0: amazing
1: and crazy. But how many little spots in the world could be habitable? <laughs> you know, and so it's there's a philosophical Bastille wrote uh, a piece called the Accursed Chair.
2: Coming into the round of everybody has a fucking public fountain, and in today's days of water wars, you Texas um, billions of public fountains are probably worse than anything that like PyR2 or Benjamin Disraeli has ever done, which is why most of our fountains are off. But Realistically, we criticize our own culture, but we don't necessarily look back at like the Stanford shopping mall that I grew up at with 18,000 flower beds and about 40,000 fountains. So I will say that, even though I'm critical still.
1: Well, I went to see the Grand Mosque while I was in Abu Dhabi, and it was big. That's all I got to say. <laughs> no point whatsoever. Well, the. I think the point is just basically that that there's a point at which I just throw my hands up and say, yeah, that's awesome. But when I see the party eat potential labor that could change the way that we operate in the real world where we live, you know, the opportunity for that watering down is now. And so instead of focusing on making it bigger, bas- faster, stronger, better, better, what we need to do is put the brakes on and focus on how we can shift this new money, you know, 5,000 people, 3,000 people, into community projects that actually benefit the places around which where we execute our events so that the local populace where we're squatting is benefiting directly, not just because we're buying stuff from their stores, but because we're maintaining the roads on the way in. We adopt those highways. We do public works in the counties. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that we as a group can legitimize that which we do in the eyes of the little old lady who's the one who's going to call the cops if she ever decides to.
0: Well, it seems like with with how Flipside operates with the... There's there's a lot of... It seems like there's a lot of fluidity with where they're going to be at. And that might be a little more difficult to go, well, we're going to pump a lot of money into this area, you know, or this land. <clears throat> put, put, you know, 10,000 man hours into this area, and then Oh, now we're not going to be there next year. We're going to be in a different place altogether. It seems like a big...
1: No, we do that. (laughs) We sink those hours into that property, but that benefits the property owner. right? That dude owns that property, and we have done a lot of work shaping that property.
2: Separate from the community, though, nobody will really embrace it. And I didn't mean to sound like I was apologizing for Burning Man Art. I mean, fountains are terrible. We don't want to be that model either. We don't want to be the model of we have wealth, so we choose to turn it into water fountains or fire fountains. We want to be like, well, we have this wealth, and we choose to actually spread it out in a little better way than just gratifying the people shopping at Bloomingdale's.
1: Well, and for me, I always looked around, and I just thought to myself, why is it the case that we're not welcome? Why do we have to pay anybody? Just the amount of dollar value that we
0: lend to whatever property that we come onto by our use. Well, yeah, this was what Thomas said before was you got to celebrate that because you have a piece of land or wherever the the county gets a lot more, gets a lot. And plus... So does the landowner.
2: They cut down the poison ivy, they leave things cleaner than they found it, and they care about the land they're standing on. You could have a million festivals out there that would not, but we do.
0: Well, I mean, I, I was privy to seeing the land after uh, one of the raves that was out there in comparison to how Flipside has it out there. Way different. Way different. Just, Just the, I would be upset with the amount with the amount of stuff that was actually left on the property versus what we leave on the property.
1: And this is why we have Burner Beach. That very same reason. It's always been my thought that we should be able to do what we want to do and people should welcome us. And I agree. that the only barrier that we need is our inherent craziness. People look at our infrastructure and they just don't even come they just keep driving no it happens on the beach too man they won't even stop and party with us because they like they look and they're like wow that's crazy and then they just keep going sometimes they will stop and ask but very rarely will they just totally just drop in and that was confirmed by the police officer that i talked to like right no and 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 we will and they will but we you just got to show up enough times um then after the third time they've seen us out there And they might stop in and say something, and they'll know someone that knows someone who's already been there and done that. And then they'll feel more comfortable. So it's just a matter of acculturation over time, and it takes patience, and it takes risk.
2: If you're giving good product, Girl Scouts, we hate people knocking on our door, but the cookies are good. So
1: So that was my just basic conception. I was like, well, if I want to do this, or if we want to do this, there should be a venue where just... What we do is enough value to, to substantiate the use of that land, and Burner Beach is a perfect example of the case where this is absolutely true. Um, and it sucks that you know we got to kind of go to the Detroit of beaches <laughs> to have that freedom that we want, you know. And, and I and I admit that we've been very fortunate. Uh, in the relationship that we've been able to develop with the property owner and the political situation that's going on right now, everything is favorable and the stars are in alignment to do what we're doing and be accepted and venerated, you know, for having a burn on the beach. Um, but, you know, that's not always going to be the case everywhere. But I hope that what I've done and what we've done is demonstrate a model to show that we don't necessarily have to contract with the property owner to do what it is we do we just have to approach it in a different way where we extend work before the party ever even happens so that's what i did i got in there i threw a bunch of cleanup events and then by the time it came time for that big party to happen everyone already knew who we were and then when the cops did show up, they were there to check and make sure that we were okay. And that's, that's pretty cool. We didn't have to pay them to do that. We didn't have to pay them to sit outside and wait and keep people away. Actually, they actively went down the beach and busted other parties. And they were out there to bust parties. That's why they came by. Um, but they didn't bust ours. But they did bust the one that was the next one down. And that totally stopped the flow. There's only one way to get to Burner Beach, and that's from Access Road 6. And Access Road 7, too, technically, but it's just slush all the way. So if they pinch down there on the other end, we got no traffic. And that's what happened that whole weekend. We had no traffic. And that's because the parties got busted by the cops on the other end.
2: situation to show what Burners can do because most of the situations where we are it's about a pristine wilderness or some sort of private property and all we can do is mess it up and so we're in a constant situation of justifying do we mess it up less than raves do we mess up you know the priceless Town property less than bounce festival that doesn't have an lnt possibility so here you're coming into a place that is messy and not that valued by the community and you can make a good impression and that has way more of an opportunity to sell burner culture Been a situation where we're constantly fighting against can we go onto private property or Indian land or whatever and not mess it up to an extent that we're allowed to keep staying there? Because that's usually the kind of defensive position that we're in almost every other environment that we're in. But in the beach, you are actually able to be the first positive impact. And that is way more of a cultural sell for us, I think.
1: Well, my first attempt, when I first decided to go do this, I went down to the national seashore. And that's federal property, it's federal land. And uh, I went and I, I wrote, what, a 50-page document, basically all our standard operating procedures, organizational structure, intentions, and all this other stuff. And I went into this meeting, and these dudes were like stonewall when I walked in, and arms crossed, crossed chest. And I could feel the sense, you know, I just knew. They were I just knew something was coming. I could see it on all their faces. And it took them a little while to work up to it. But the administrator of that property, of the National Seashore, looked me dead in the eye. And he told me, we don't want Burning Man in our park. And I was like, well, me neither. But here, I was dealing with the legacy of Burning Man. So what ended up being the case was that two of these gentlemen that were on sitting across the table from me had worked with the BLM at Burning Man. And so they had direct playa experience. So here's two uniformed officers with direct playa experience telling me that they want no part of Burning Man on their beach. That's a pretty profound statement. So what does that tell you about that culture and the relationship with that culture? So we've got law enforcement as a culture, arts as a culture, and we've got the Burning Man culture. We might want to think that that's a good relationship, but it's not, right? And I had to deal with the fallout of Burning Man's failure to work hand in hand for the right reasons with law enforcement. And so my initial foray into trying to legitimize burn culture in Corpus Christi was thwarted because of Burning Man. <laughs> the very thing that brought me there in the first place. It turned out to be a blessing in disguise because they referred me to the GLO property that we've adopted. Um, to say that here's a place where nobody's going to care. You go be a Burning Man all you want to out there. It was ironic because at the time when I was talking to them, they were going to be taking control of this property later on down the line. Um, that was before the deal fell by the wayside so basically I'm looking at my future in the face already knowing that they don't want me there and or that they don't want us there as Burning Man or whatever and knowing that 5 years down the road now they're going to own the property you know that we're going to go and sink all this time into it. but did that stop me? no it was dirty I was there to pick up freaking trash dude That was my, I was like, hey, I want to come and bring a bunch of people who are going to pick up trash on the beach. And they're like, we'd love to have you pick up the trash, but could you not do anything that you do? And I'm like, well, yeah, that's a baby bathwater thing there. You're done. We're done. Why am I talking? Why are we talking? I'm out of here. And it, it didn't go that way. You know, that was the thought that crossed my mind. This was early in the meeting. Went through the whole rest of the meeting, totally reversed their opinion. They were ready to welcome us in here. But when I walked out the door, fuck you anyway. I'm not coming back. I don't give a shit. Right? You come at me like that, you expect me to have respect for you? No. Don't piss on what I just came here to show you and expect me to still help. (laughs) No, that's not going to be the case. And then so when that deal fell through by the wayside, I was glad. I was very happy to find out that the feds weren't going to own that property. Because really, it's not those dudes' problem totally it's not their fault i mean they have a very rigid set of operating procedures that they have to follow and you can't just wink wink nudge nudge we're going to do this out there that that won't fly with them they can't do that because i'm we're with burning man there is no capability of wink wink nudge nudge here there's no uh, underboard thing about it you know we're going to have a fire it's going to be big and here's the funny thing about it is the dude said, you know, I don't we, don't, we don't care about the fire. Fires are a part of beach culture down here. It's the fires aren't the problem. It's you. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's the it's the art cars and it's the and it's the flame cannons and it's all the dangerous behaviors associated with drugs and nudity that don't blend in with with the at the National Seashore, and even though you know, if we go down past the ten, nobody's gonna see us except for the fishermen, and the fishermen just gonna go woohoo. You know, they don't care. Yeah, exactly. And boobs, woo yay! So it was really just that stigma. It was just dealing with the Burning Man legacy, and there's a delicious irony in, in what we're doing right now because Burning Man itself started on the beach and got run off the beach. Well, I guess there's probably a good reason they're in San Francisco right there. Not not going to happen for a long time, but we're not running off the beach, right? When the cops come up to us, they expect us to be there and they're they're there to look out for us. So this is a different relationship. We're not renegating here. We're not just going out to a public place and erecting a, a large structure and setting it on fire with no permissions, right? This was... We started working before there was ever talk of a party. So that's the difference, the fundamental difference of the way that we've approached Burner Beach versus the way that other Burn events have happened in the past.
0: I think we're actually going to have to wrap this up here. Dude, it was great having you here. I appreciate you coming by, especially from Corpus. It's
1: my most humble pleasure. Thanks for doing this because uh, if um, we're not allowed, you know, if we don't have a venue to tell our stories, to each other, you know, even if it's just listening to it in the car or whatever later on on an MP3, um, I'm hoping that our community will come together and we can pool our, our intelligences. And it's not very often that, that, that we as burners get an opportunity to just have a microphone in front of our face and say, you know, what it is that's on our mind without being mitigated by a party atmosphere and this has just been business Right, you had some questions we answered the questions and and I appreciate the format in, in which you've hosted this
0: um, thanks for coming by man and so on if the
2: series of seas will always stay close to sea and never trend away that point is in the man set man set you're a shock test on fire you're a pterodactyl you're a
1: heart shaped box Rings and wiry one badass fucking frack And you're just in time